This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about films. My name is Dakota Arsenault, and today I am flying solo as I bring you a mini-podcast episode version of my Oscar Primer series. In the past two years, I have done my lengthy posts regarding the chances and odds the nominees have to win their respective categories. The creation of our film-based podcast here on Live in Limbo, I figured I should make use of this platform to discuss the best picture nominees. Once a week, I'll still be posting my written primers. In the first post, I discuss The Hateful Eight, Inside Out, and Joy, a link to which can be found in the show notes. On this episode of ContraZoom, I'll talk about two of the eight, eight best picture nominees, The Martian and Bridge of Spies. First up, The Martian, which was directed by Ridley Scott, it was released on October 2nd, and it has seven nominations as follows. Best Picture, Best Actor for Matt Damon, Best Adapted Screenplay by Drew Goddard, Best Production Design by Arthur Max and Celia Bobak, Best Sound Mixing, Paul Massey, Mark Taylor, and Mac Ruth, Best Sound Editing, Oliver Tarney, Best Visual Effects, Richard Stammers, Anders Langlands, Chris Lawrence, and Stephen Warner. So I'm going to go through each one of these and talk about what the chances are for the respective nominees. For Best Picture, you know, it's a bit of an interesting one. It's a bit of a feel-good sort of film when most times the Academy Awards seem to prefer more serious, more dour ones, which um, can be a good thing. It's always good to sort of break it up. That said, you have to wonder how much of a chance it really stands. Normally, there's some correlation between Best Picture and Best Director as far as seeing who legitimately has a chance. Now, you know, there are a few interesting exceptions, like when Argo won, Ben Affleck was not nominated for Best Director. That said, I would say that's more of an exception than a rule. So based on that, I would have to say that The Martian does not stand a very good chance of winning Best Picture compared to its counterparts uh, in Spotlight, The Revenant, Room, Mad Max Fury Road, and The Big Short. I would say those are the big five that really stand a chance. Uh, outside of that, The Martian maybe. Uh, the Academy has recently been giving a lot of love to spacey films. And, you know, maybe if um, you thought gravity was too claustrophobic feeling or interstellar was too confusing, then um, the Martian would probably be right up your alley. Uh, you know, it's got a lot of ingenuity to it. There's a lot of wit to it. It's funny. There's some serious startling moments and it's, it's the type of movie where you really find yourself cheering on the good guy. Um, I would say at this, at this point it would, it is past being a dark horse and it should just be, just be happy. It's there. Basically it can put on its DVD Blu-ray cover best picture nominee for 2016. Uh, but I think that's about as far as it will get for best actor for Matt Damon he gave a fantastic performance. You know, Matt Damon has seemingly not really been um, acknowledged by the Academy all that much. Uh, he has won an Oscar before, but that was for the screenplay that he wrote for Goodwill Hunting. And he was nominated in both Goodwill Hunting and for his supporting role in Invictus. The Martian probably is one of his best performances to date. That said, 
I, I don't know how much he stands to win. Um, the movie does rest almost entirely on Matt Damon's shoulders, and he does a pretty good job leading it. You know, there is intercut with other scenes led by Jessica Chastain and the other astronauts. And then there's also the scenes on Earth with uh, Jeff Daniels, Chuadal Ejiofor, uh, and the likes of that. Uh, but that said, as far as the category goes, he's... Even though I find this year the best leading actor is a bit of a weaker year, it's really going to come down to two people. It's going to come down to Leonardo DiCaprio and Michael Fassbender, both of whom seemingly have been overlooked, Leo, for his career and every time he's nominated, and Michael for the lack of nominations so far with the amount of quality work he's been put in. Um I feel Matt Damon is probably maybe the the third place in this group. Trumbo with Brian Cranston wasn't too well received other than his performance. And Eddie Redmayne just won last year, so I really doubt they'll give it to him back-to-back. They've only done that a few times. The last time being Tom Hanks for uh, Forrest Gump in Philadelphia. And and really those are two movies that were so exceptional that it's, it's sort of hard to justify it that and with the fact that the danish girl not getting that that great of reviews you really have to consider him uh out of the race at this point uh so yeah matt damon will probably be in third place uh but he's gonna most likely be a distant third behind leo and michael for whoever wins that for the best adapted screenplay I thought the screenplay was actually quite excellent, if not probably the best part of it. It's a fairly simple story, but the the charm and the wit really comes through. Matt Damon has a great personality, and he was able to really elevate these lines. But, you know, he didn't get bogged down with any of the, the mumbo-jumbo, the space, the science-y sort of stuff, and really was able to make it in layman's terms, which was great. Um the category that it's up against in the best adapted screenplay, it's got some some deep competition. Uh, the Big Short was was pretty fantastic for having such a such an interesting take on what is essentially a book about Wall Street that could be very droll, but ended up being very lively and animated. Uh, Brooklyn. Nick Hornby has this way with words that makes people fall in love with everything. Everything is just dripping in syrup and love and all the gross things like that. Um, and then Carol was a movie that might, you know, have a good chance just because of the fact that it didn't get nominated for Best Picture. It's sort of like the Consolation Prize where uh, the Screenplay Awards usually go to the more daring films. The Screenplay Award is basically like a, sorry, we don't want to call you the Best Picture winner, but here, we're going to give you something instead. So that's why I think Carol might be a strong contender for that. Really, anyone else, it's also Room is in that category. I think... I think really any of these movies can probably win. That said, The Martian, I, I don't know if we'll have what it takes to sort of pull that off. It'll probably come down to uh, either The Big Short, Room, or Carol with maybe Brooklyn um, right behind it. So it's it's so tough to say where that's going to end up. Uh, next up is Best Production Design. And... Uh, 
they did a great job converting whatever they were shooting, whether that was in an actual desert or a soundstage, uh, into actually looking like they were on Mars. They did a fantastic job creating this great atmosphere. Now, I know some of it had to do with um, CGI as far as creating extra mountains and things like that. But uh, overall, you really believed in the space station itself the the base where Mark was staying, Mark Watney, the character that Matt Damon played, uh, was was fantastic as far as having lots of little little details really added up into it. And then of course there was the space, the actual spaceship that Jessica Chastain and her team was on uh, had this really futuristic sort of two thousand one type feel to it, while uh, still having a bit of a, of a human touch to it. Um, this is a really tough category to predict because you don't necessarily know which way they're going to go. Um, you have something a little more similar like Mad Max Fury Road where it's very deserty, um, and the production design has to do with, uh, the way the the vehicles and things like that are created. And then you have the more period pieces like um, the Danish girl and bridge of spies, which are more traditional in their period pieces of, of showing the opulence of another time. And then there's the revenant, which is sort of showcasing the natural beauty and then the rusticness. So, so things like when they're in the, the cabins and what, whatnot um, really showcasing handmade work. Um, at this point, I have not seen The Danish Girl, so I can't really comment too much on that. If I were to pick a winner from this, it could go, it could very well go to The Martian, but uh, I'd have to think that maybe The Revenant probably stands the best chance. This is, this is one that we'll definitely have to keep an eye on. There isn't really, unless you count The Revenant as a real leader to win Best Picture, um, that might sweep up in other categories. I don't know where this is going to go, uh, which is so tough to say. Um, and then we have the dual categories of sound mixing and sound editing. It doesn't always go hand in hand where if you win one, you're most likely going to win the other, but more often than not films that win one usually win the other one as well. If you look through it, four nominees double up in both categories. Um, which is always a good sign. The only ones that don't double up are the big short has, um, I'm not even looking at the right ones. Okay. Um, for sound mixing, there's Mad Max, the Martian, the Revenant, star Wars and British spies and sound editing. There's Mad Max, the Martian, the Revenant, Sicario and star Wars. So the one off ones for that would be, um, Sicario and Bridge of Spies. So it's it's sort of tough that you have to think that they they are the odd men out for those ones. Um, the Martian did have some pretty fantastic sound design as far as keeping with that spacey futuristic sound. And, and I think it does a really good job for that. It's, it's sort of tough because um, they usually go with which is, which ones have the most noticeable sound. And I think Star Wars The Force Awakens probably probably will be the, the the front runner for both of those awards with Mad Max Fury Road sort of being the runner up for them. Um, I'm no sound expert, so if I was putting money on it, I would probably pick 
either Star Wars or Mad Max and then just double up on the other category as well. So that way they're both the same. And then lastly, we have the best visual effects. Um, this is, I think, a fantastic category that's really tight because you have movies with different kinds of special effects. Ex Machina is a is a pretty low-key movie, but there is a robot that only has half-human features. Mad Max, they use mostly practical effects, which is always great to see because it really showed the, the scope. You know, you have a guitar player that shoots flames out and things like that. That was all actually done. Then you have The Martian, which the space stuff obviously was CGI visual effects. Uh, and then there's the stuff that was going on the planet where I, I'd seen some videos of where they digitally created the planet to look bigger than it actually was. You know, there'd be one hill in the background, but then in the movie, there'd be like two giant mountains or something like that. The Revenant, the special effects for that mostly are from the animals. Uh, I'd be surprised if any animals were actually in that movie, uh, especially the the now infamous bear attack scene was was CGI and it looked pretty good. You know, you could you could definitely tell that Leo wasn't really being attacked by a bear, but there was enough there that it was realistic enough. Uh, and then lastly, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, which is pretty self-explanatory as far as what sort of special effects are going into that. And uh, and frankly, you know, J.J. Abrams did a great job trying to maximize the amount of practical effects, something like Mad Max. Um, along with the necessary need of using CGI special effects, um, like when they're going into hyperdrive, hyperspeed, and things like that. Uh, I think Star Wars The Force Awakens definitely has the most unique and interesting visual effects, and I kind of hope that that one wins. If not, I think Mad Max Fury Road would probably be the next in line to get that, because it, it really would be a celebration of practical effects as far as as far as creating that movie and that world goes. I'm going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to move on to the next movie on the list, and that would be Bridge of Spies. You've been selected for a mission which you are not to discuss with anyone outside of this room. We are engaged in a war with the Soviet Union. This war does not for the moment involve men-at-arms. It involves information. We've got a Soviet spy. So before we were talking about The Martian, and now we're going to talk about the second of the eight Best Picture nominees, which is Bridge of Spies. It was directed by Steven Spielberg and was released on October 16th. The film has six nominations, and they are Best Picture, Best Supporting Actor for Mark Rylance, Best Original Screenplay by Matt Charman and the Coen brothers, Ethan and Joel, Best Production, production Design, Adam Stockhausen, Rena D'Angelo, Bernhard Heinrich, Best Original Score, Thomas Newman, and Best Sound Mixing, Andy Nelson, Gary Rydstrom, and Drew Cunnan. This was an interesting one. When this movie was first coming out, the trailer first came out, I looked at it and I was like, I'm not, I'm not totally excited about this, you know. All right, yeah, it looks probably good enough. Steven Spielberg, all right, yeah, I guess I'll watch it. And you know what? I ended up loving it. I think this is the type of movie where it's very easy to take for granted. Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, yeah, 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 whatever. I'm sure it's good. 
in reality, Spielberg has crafted probably one of his finest films in years. I know Lincoln was a fantastic one. Um, but this sort of harkens back a bit to Munich, not necessarily thematically, but in the way that he uses a lot of stillness and silence and small moments to really generate what the film in this whole world is about, uh, dealing with, um, the spy swap done during the height of the cold war and Tom Hanks. This is easily one of his best performances, uh, that will, it'll definitely go down as that, you know, it'll never top some of the things he was doing as far as Forrest Gump and Philadelphia and stuff like that. But, you know, this is still a, a real feather in his hat. And, you know, I, I want, I, I, makes me actually think back to Captain Phillips, another movie that, you know, I was a little hesitant to see and then came out being absolutely blown away by Tom Hanks' performance, especially his ending scene when he's being treated by the nurse, the doctor, whoever that is. That's just like a masterclass of acting. And while he doesn't have a similar sort of moment like that, he he does he does have a lot that really makes you love the film. As far as Best Picture goes, because it does not have a Best Director nominee like I was talking about earlier for The Martian, uh, you really have to wonder how much of a chant it it truly stands. Um, I would say this is probably, you know, as far as Spielberg goes, a bit lower in his canon. If uh, if he didn't win for Saving Private Ryan, there's no way that that this would probably beat that out instead. I think Spielberg has clearly shown that he has, he has no, no promise of slowing down at any point and still looks to be releasing some really great work. Now, as far as best supporting actor goes, now that's a different story. This is probably one of the stronger categories this year. Um, In it, you also have Tom Hardy in The Revenant, Mark Ruffalo from Spotlight, Christian Bale from The Big Short, and then, bafflingly enough, Sylvester Stallone from Creed. So Mark Rylance has some tough competition. I think, right off the bat, I hope you can eliminate Sylvester Stallone. I know the Academy really likes him and really likes the Rocky franchise. It did win, the original one did win Best Picture. That said... I highly doubt, I highly doubt, even though that he won the Golden Globe, that Stallone will repeat and and win the Oscar as well. It just doesn't seem very likely, especially considering who he's up against. Tom Hardy, I think, gives a a career-turning performance in The Revenant, and and possibly, I believe he actually outshines uh, Leo in that role. I haven't seen Spotlight yet, so I can't really comment too much, but Mark Ruffalo has been getting some absolute rave reviews for that performance. I just saw The Big Short, and I thought Christian Bale was fantastic. He had the this right mix of manic energy while still this this seriousness that only Christian Bale can bring to something. He had some lines of, <clears throat> I don't even know how to joke, because he plays someone who... who who obviously has some sort of spectrum of Asperger's or or something like that. And he does a really great job where it's reflected in his performance, but at the same time, it doesn't 
override it. It doesn't take away from it. Mark Rylance, on the other hand, gives this really great subtle performance of a spy who is just doing his job. He is a supposed Russian-Soviet spy that gets caught, and he is represented by Tom Hanks' lawyer. And most of his scenes take place in the first third or so of the movie. And he has this, these great moments, including this, this off-repeated line where every time Tom Hanks would say, like, oh, are you worried? And his response would be, would it help? And, like, just this, this one line where you go, where you can't help but, like, love the guy and be like, wow, he really is sticking to his morals. He, he's being the best soldier he can be for his side while at the same time, you know, is not going to be overly confrontational about it and not give too much away. And that if his fate happens to not be a very good one, whether it's in jail or death or something like that, he, this is a man that's ready to accept it. Mark Rylance isn't really, isn't really well known to to the movie-going audience, he's mostly known for being a stage actor, and the quiet intensity that he brings is definitely, you can definitely tell that this is a man who's really honed and perfected the art of acting, that, you know, he doesn't need to be big and flashy at times, he can let the scene breathe, he can take the pauses when he needs them, and this is, this is a stunning performance, and and on, and I really hope that if he wins, I would be very happy for him. And I think he absolutely deserves it. It's so tough. The Revenant might, you know, get swept up with the Leo fever. Spotlight, I think at this point, stands the best chance of winning Best Picture. And, you know, Mark Ruffalo might get to go along for that ride. Christian Bale, I think, is great. The Academy has already proven that they really like him, and they've awarded him once before for The Fighter, a movie that, while I really enjoy, probably isn't going to go down as his single best performance. So it's so tough to say if they'll they'll reward him for this one. Um, I would have to say it's probably between Mark Rylance and Tom Hardy at the moment, with Ruffalo and Bale being only slightly behind them. So it's really a bit of a toss-up. Then you have the screenplay, which shockingly was written by, or at least co-written by the Coen brothers. Something that you don't really expect because they almost always direct all of their movies. There's been a few instances where they have not directed their own movies, and those are usually scripts that aren't very good. Or at least, you know, they could have been handled better. They're probably just paid gigs for them. And it, it the movie does not scream Coen Brothers style. It is very much a Spielberg sort of script. It's very happy feeling, something that the Coens don't really especially excel on. Um, that said, you know, they, they know when the story needs to needs to be pushed forward and they do a really great job with that, especially some of the dialogue that they give to both Hanks and Mark Rylance. Uh, I think the dialogue all around it is pretty stellar. There's some great humorous lost in translation style moments. And, uh, and I really sort of um, commend them for doing something like that. Um, they are in a, uh, they're in a category where uh, I, 
I don't think they really stand a chance to win Bridges Fies. They're up against Ex Machina, Inside Out, Spotlight, and Straight Out of Compton. I think right away the Inside Edge is going to both Spotlight, the the presumed best pitcher front runner, and Inside Out, which was really a, a heart tuggingly great movie with a absolutely fantastic screenplay. Ex Machina, I personally just really enjoy. Straight Out of Compton is one where. It was pretty strong for most part, for the most part, and then once it started going into the post band breakup, um, it really sort of shifted its tone and wasn't as good. Bridge of Spies, I think, definitely comes behind Inside Out Spotlight with X Mac and a potentially being the dark horse as far as the consolation being a really great original sci-fi thriller. Uh, so really, this is one where, you know, the Coen brothers can notch up another nomination on their very, very long list of already uh, uh, cured Oscar nominations. But this just will not be their year, and I'll be thankful when they do win it, because when they do win it, they will absolutely deserve it. And then you have Best Production Design, which I briefly talked about and. The other one as well, you have some great sort of Soviet-era stuff, you know, where it's on the outside, it's nice and drab, but on the inside of some of these buildings, especially the government buildings, it can be very opulent and big. And the same sort of goes for the U.S., where they've got this really interesting aesthetic of being this very buttoned-up FBI lawyer sort of vibe going on. But underneath, there are some some really great stuff, especially... uh, the Tom Hanks house. Um, that said, it's it's up against some some tough categories. Like I, I was talking about earlier, you know, you've got Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and The Danish Girl. Um, I think this can can go in a bunch of different directions, and I don't know which one they're going to go with. Um, the Martian, The Revenant. And maybe even the Danish girl probably uh, probably are at this point maybe the front runners, but this there isn't like a, a typical big period piece that sort of stands out as being the most deserving, and, and I, I feel like it's too early to sort of call that one, um, anyways. And then next you have best original score, which was a pretty fantastic one because it sort of played up the intensity of some of uh, some of the thriller espionage elements while the film wasn't really all that thrillerish it was definitely more of a, a legal drama sort of more in vain of all the president's men than I don't know some other Cold War era thriller um, it's up against some really good scores though I haven't seen Carol yet, so I can't really comment on that. The Hateful Eight was absolutely fantastic. You know, they're using Ennio Morricone, who's most famous for doing the spaghetti westerns, uh, and repurposing his The Things score, which was amazing um, because it was thematically matching. And then there's Sicario, which I also just watched, and that had a real great uh, almost horror element to it as far as the score goes where it's very much your your heart is beating and you got a lump in your throat because you don't know what's going to happen next. And then lastly, there's the Star Wars The Force Awakens, which has John Williams' iconic Star Wars score, 
one that he builds on and adds new depths to. Um, I think right off the top, it's most likely the Hateful Eight in Star Wars as the real contenders, with uh, Sicario as maybe a bit of an underdog. Bridge of Spies, as good as it was, it's just not the year for Thomas Newman. And then lastly, there is sound mixing. As I was talking about with The Martian, because it does not double up and also get the sound editing, I really don't know how likely for it to win will be. Um, Star Wars, Mad Max, and The Martian are probably the most likely to to take home the, the sound mixing award because they'll pair it with the sound editing. The, the sound was good. I, I'm trying to remember really specific examples. It's, it's one of the more quieter films. There are some war elements to it as far as guns and tanks and things like that. So there is, there is lots of sound stuff for there to go on. But uh, I, I, I just don't think it will win without the, the double nomination uh, because the sound people are, are the same branches and they usually vote together. All that said, this concludes the first Oscar Primer podcast. On next week's show, Andreas and I will be discussing the new Star Wars film, The Force Awakens, and we're going to have some fun with the six older films in the franchise. I will be back again with another Primer podcast in two weeks when I'll be breaking down The Revenant and Mad Max Fury Road. Make sure you go to liveandlimbo.com for the show notes and to see all of our great Oscar-related content. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at ContraZoomPod, and myself, at DGAPA. Thank you so much for listening.